This is URN Sport. University Radio Nottingham, that's a good station as well, URN. Let them do a go well to finish, please. Can you stop editing the go well, please, at the end of their show? Cheers. Go well. Keep it URN. Keep it URN. URN. This. This. Is URN. Hello and welcome to Sticky Wickets. Now, I had a lovely intro all wrapped up for us. And then George Bowman, out of nowhere, just reminded us he's just come back from operation. So I was going to mention a lovely joke about Toby being the only person, bar crisp companies, to make more money out of the 100 than anyone else. But George, how are you, mate? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. I'm not bad. I'm not bad, Dom. Um, yeah, I'm doing all right. Just not really doing a lot. Just watching a lot of TV, to be honest. Been a, lot of, life. a lot of films. What films are you Are watch? either of you Marvel fans? Yeah, I love Marvel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been working my way through Marvel. So I'm up to, I'm watching the WandaVision series at the moment. I've done quite Whoa. well. You've Good. gotten through that fast in two weeks. Yeah, so I'd, I'd already watched up the Age of Ultron. Okay. So I started, the, the one that I watched first was Ant-Man. So I've watched Ant-Man and I'm from there, basically. But it's been good. It's been good. I like Ant-Man. Ant-Man any, is good. It's any hot takes? Any hot takes? What do you mean? Like on, on what you've seen so far, any sort of... What's your favourite film? Any sort of th- controversial films you don't like? Can you relate it to cricket in some way? <laughs> can't relate it to cricket. <laughs> that's quite tough, isn't it? You can relate the characters to cricketers, maybe. Maybe that's what but, we Yeah, I got a bit. So my two favourite characters, I reckon, are Ant Man and um. Oh, what's his name? What's Chris Pratt? Star Lord. I like him. No, oh, yeah. I like him. I like them both. Um, and then, obviously, Endgame's pretty, pretty good. It's, pretty, it's a pretty good film. I think that's my favourite. Although, apparently, if you rewatch them, Infinity War's a better film, I've heard from Marvel. I've Marvel always Geeks. preferred Endgame. I've always preferred yeah. it because I always think they're going to finally win. Sorry, spoilers. Spoilers. Um, it's been out for three years. I haven't, spo- I haven't spoiled anything. I haven't spoiled it. You're the only one that spoiled it. You said about winning. Uh, well, what is winning? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. I will quickly move on. Any favorite Marvel characters? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I like Ant Man a lot. I Ant Man's yeah, the, the two Ant Men are both really good. Um, I'd say Korg, Korg's got to be a fan favorite. It's funny, mate. That yeah. scene where he's playing Fortnite, that made me yeah, laugh. exactly. And I'll tell you one more thing about Marvel I like. Is in all of the films, the bad guys, you can make the case for the bad people. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's not like they're totally evil. There's always like a case there's, there's that a you can make for them or a reason. Yeah. Even yeah. Thanos is a reason. Yeah, there's no, Thanos, reason. that's why Thanos is such a good villain. But I think Thanos yeah, is like exactly. exactly. We're moving into the MCU. Yeah, to be fair, Ronan. Ronan. I was, was about bad. to say, yeah, he's just racist. He was pretty bad. <laughs> He's pro genocide. I'm not sure that's a good reason. Yeah, Red the Creed people. also a Nazi. Uh, George, what are you saying, pal? Uh, we're going <laughs> to move on from that controversial topic of Marvel villains. Uh, we're going to talk about England versus South Africa. Um, a really big test series coming up. Can England prove that it wasn't a flash in the pan? Ollie Robinson has been brought back into the test squad. Now, there's some knowing nods on the screen. I'm going to go to George first. He's, uh, I'm not really sure what your views on Ollie Robinson are, but I'd like to hear them. Do you think he'll start this coming week? He can't start. Uh, he can't take the place of Anderson, Broad or Pops. I don't think if they're playing three seamers and then 
Stokes. I think it's Rogue is in the squad. I think it's pretty pretty out of the blue as well. I don't think anyone. I think so. Obviously, he was quite popular the first time he was in the squad. And he did very well, and everyone's everyone seemed to quite like him. I know Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad speak quite highly of him. Um, so when you put it like that, it's probably not not as surprising. It's the fact he hasn't really played any county cricket. He's always unfit. There's always the stuff coming out about him not working hard enough. And then suddenly he's back in the squad. I sort of, just from my point of view, it's like, what what, what does it say to the other bowlers in county cricket? You know, they've been playing the whole time, taking wickets. Um, what does There's it say to them? much else in county cricket, though. I mean, they had to call up Jamie Overton, who before even this year had, bare, had barely yeah, played much cricket, barely bowled at all. Um, and I mean, they picked Sam, him over Craig. Sam Cook at Essex always does well. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised. I think he'll and get he's always soon. in the Lions stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I would say is that if he was a batsman, he'd ever seen every English batsman he's ever played in the county circuit. Yes, three goes to the England squad. Maybe it is fair that he's having a rejuvenation under a different yeah. management. We've seen that what's happened with Bearstow. Do you think maybe McCullum might be able to get the best out of him? The only thing with Robinson, it's never been like performance from the pitch. He's always he's always bowled well when he's played. It's more the attitude and the stuff like that. And I think that's, for me, that's worse because that's stuff that he can control, right? He could work hard and get fit. Like, there's nothing stopping him doing that. Performance is slightly different. If you don't perform for a couple of weeks, then, like, fair enough, that happens to everyone. But he's always taken wickets. He's just been off the field. He just hasn't put the effort in. And it's like, blatantly obvious you've got people telling him to work harder and he's not so it's like that's the easiest thing he can control he can go and do and get fit like there's nothing stopping him doing that he hasn't got some sort of underlying problem which means he can't get fit it's just him being lazy and for me that's less excusable than having a bit of bad form that's what you think i i i want to throw this to toby obviously mccullum is a very different uh type of leader to maybe what Robinson's had before, but obviously he's dotted around. He's been to Yorkshire, essentially got expelled from there, um, had a few times in England and Sussex. So do you think McCullum's maybe more relaxed way of thinking? Obviously he's been with Jason Gillespie, who might as well be a surfer dude throughout his career. Is this last chance for Saloon for Ollie Robinson? Um, I think... Not necessarily last chance saloon, because I think he's still only 27, 28, whatever it might be. Still got another at least five years, you'd think, um, in him as a bowler. I think it will be interesting to see how McCullum might try and handle him compared to how Silverwood did last summer and Root. And you think maybe that the sort of, yeah, different style of management, it might suit Robinson more, it might suit him less. They might get him in. He might not, not fit into the squad very well, might be yeah, too lazy or too arrogant or whatever the problems might be and he might not work within the squads and then I'm sure McCullum and Stokes would would have no problem dropping him if if they think it's not working and they think he's not the right character so I think that is one thing Stokes and McCullum have talked a lot about is sort of character and sort of not necessarily skill but I just talking about someone like Zach Crawley obviously he's still in the squads quite controversially but they've said he's having the whole summer and no matter what he's going to still be there and I think with Robinson it it could be similar. They'll, they'll, he won't necessarily play in any of the three games. He might play one of them. I'd be surprised if he doesn't play at least one, particularly just to give a rest to um, Brody or, or Jimmy, who have played pretty much every game so far this summer. Um, and so I think he'll play, even if it's just the last game, 
um, or maybe the middle one to give someone a break in between. So I think yeah, they don't have a chance to play for England. And even some of it is just seeing how he beds back into the squad, perhaps, and how he fits under McCullum and Stokes. It has been over 40 days since England's heroics at Edgbaston. George, the batting and especially the opening has been under a little bit, well, especially the only bit of scrutiny the English batting has been under has been the opening partnership. Now, I was there watching the opening partnership against India, against some of the best bowlers uh, that India have, and they seem to do okay. It was all about mental resilience and aggression. And I, whilst you could tell they weren't in form, they were trying to force themselves into form. Do you think we'll see the same opening partnership against South Africa walk out at Lords this week? Yeah, I think the squad dictates that as well, doesn't it? I don't think it's going to be changed. And, and they've said they're not going to change it. Mm. And like a lot of people in the media have said this, and I think it's probably probably right that everything seems to be going right under under Brendan McCullum this basketball regime. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if in this in this series that Crawley's the leading run scorer and scores scores three <laughs> hundreds or something stupid because he's the only one that hasn't really stepped up yet. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he does in this this series. I think it's been a while now since that Edge Baston test, but is that the test where he basically put away the drive outside or some and just yeah. basically until yeah. he got out, which it's I think he was driving. <laughs> no, he left the ball. Yeah. No, he, oh, he left the ball, didn't he? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was really he frustrating. Got a good ball nipped into the gate. Mm. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, I, I know. I'm pretty sure he left it. I'm yeah, I think sure. you're right, Tom. Oh, I mean, yeah, sorry, that is right. Punched the wind in the hollies, but we don't need to go into the details of that. Um, like you said, England have had a sort of Sandy from Greece uh, glow up in the past few weeks. R.I.P. Olivia Newton John. That one's oh, that's a good. That's a good. It's, it's got well. references, George. Is there anyone you're really exciting to excited? Sorry to see against South Africa with a four series. Just absolutely go for it. Is there any batsman you'd like to see? I'm going to go George first. Uh, obviously Joe Root. I mean, every time he bats, he's unreal. Like he's probably the best batsman in the world at the moment, and he's probably the nicest batsman to watch. But the only thing with Root, it can be a bit boring. Because, like, you just know he's going to score runs. <laughs> oh, what a shame. What a shame. <laughs> I know. At least with, like, Bears, though, when he sort of hits 150 off 120 balls, there's a bit of jeopardy about it. He could get out. Joe Root just looks unbelievable. I mean, that that innings against against India was just unbelievable. So, I just, he just, I've never seen someone bat with their <laughs> as much as Joe Root. Really <laughs> That's like, a lovely unbelievable. thing for Toby there. <laughs> so yeah, him. I quite like to see Ollie Pope do well. I quite like watching Ollie Pope bat, and it'd be nice to see him score some runs. How many chances Ollie Pope had at the England Middle Order, Toby? As the Surrey aficionado, he must have uh, had. He's in his at least his third, I think, possibly fourth, because a lot of people thought he played one game against India in 2018 at number four. Um, uh, at Lords got. 18 and four or something like that. He must have been about 18 when he played that test. He was, yeah, 21 or something like that, yeah. Still averaging 90 at the time in first-class cricket or something ridiculous, which he he has done since as well. Ollie Pope seems to be one of those players who is always on the verge of England test team. Much like we've seen with Bairstow, Toby, is McCullum, I know we're putting a lot of weight on four games, but they've been such miraculous change, hasn't it? Do you think Pope as a younger man, might be able to find his feet and solidify his place 
within the test career? Or do you think maybe it's just a step too far for him? I think he definitely can. I I also I was fairly, I love him to bits, but I was fairly critical. I, I remember bit during the, well, so just after the Ashes, so I thought they shouldn't have taken him to Western. I thought they should have given him a break. He didn't play, obviously. And then I was very surprised he was picked at number three at the beginning of the summer. Um, and I thought it wouldn't really work, but he's had quite a good career there so far. A couple, I think a couple 50s and 100s, been quite impressive. Um, and I think he definitely has a skill. It's I think similar to Crawley, it's about the temperament. Can he sort of stay in long enough um, against the new ball if he get, gets in early? And then when the spin comes on, can he not become too restless and try and go after it like he often does um, when he sort of, struggles to score against it because his strike rate against spin is extremely low in first loss cricket so it'll be interesting to see how he sort of compares and how he fights he's got Maharaj and or Harmer um, for South Africa both very very good spinners but turning it either way they can play two if they want they'll probably just play Maharaj then maybe Harmer could depending on the pitch to be fair they could definitely look at playing two spinners um, and Harmer's a very decent batsman as well so, I mean, that'll be an interesting battle between I either one of those. England. Yeah, exactly. He's been unbelievable. Probably one of the best bowlers in county championship for, what, a decade, maybe? Obviously, a um, Cole Pack player at first and now an overseas pro for Essex. I'd like to to Luke Fletcher, who will be listening, who is the best bowler. In- Luke Fletcher, I will say, will not be listening because he's playing for the Trent Rockets right now. Yeah, well, you can, you can listen in his downtime, <laughs> Toby. Um, before we move on to the 100 and, you know, you making another million off it, Tobes, um, predictions for South Africa. Do you think they're a strong side? I saw them play against Ireland. Ireland look well below their standards, but in fairness, Ireland look well below the standard of America at Christmas. Um, just whilst we're on American cricket, weirdly, I saw the under-19 US women's team beat their first grade A team. They beat the West Indies. So congrats to them. That's a big achievement. And hopefully we'll see... American cricket, you know, beat England one day, which I'm sure they will at a World Cup. But let's go back to South Africa. I don't know what's happening with them because I'm hearing mixed of they're really good side and I'm also hearing sides or stories of, oh, they can't bat for toffee, they can't bowl. What should an England fan expect, Toby, from South Africa coming over? I think it's they're quite a good comparison to England, I would say. They've got a strong bowling unit. A few injuries at the moment, I think, but a very strong bowling unit, particularly seamers. You've got Rabada, Ngidi, Nokia, um, all world-class seamers, and then Maharaj and Han, we've said there as well. Um, and then still not even mentioning Dwan Oliver and a few other players. Um, Batting-wise, similar though as well. They're, they have some very good batsmen. I think Rashi van der Zusen, one of the most underrated um, batsmen in the world, I'd say, has, has been classed. Just, I think scored 80 or 100 today against the Lions. Um, and he's, I think he's very good, but they're similar to us in the way that when things go wrong, they can go horribly wrong and they will, they'll probably collapse, but just the way that England will collapse. And it's, it's almost going to be a bit of a battle as to who can collapse least, I think, and whether England can channel their form from those first four games of the summer. George, England play their first game at Lords. Very exciting. It's the first game at Lords, isn't it? Uh, Yes. Yeah, I think I'm going, so I hope it is. Um, yeah, England have a mixed <laughs> record. Yeah, I, I probably should. Um, England have a mixed record at Lords, often struggling. I think a lot of teams, it's their big, big day out in the sun. 
England need to get off to a good start in this series, George. What's your predictions for that game, South Africa at Lords? Yeah, I think Toby's right. Their batting is a bit vulnerable, but I think a bit like England as well. Their bowling attack is extremely strong. If you look at their bowling, like they're, they're, they're not short of options either, really, are they? I mean, you've mentioned the spinners, Harmer, uh, Maharaj, and even Maharaj, like he's probably one of the best sort of spinners in the world, I'd say. At the moment in Test cricket, I mean, he holds up an end pretty well, and he can take wickets in the second innings, and that's what you're looking for, sort of an off-break bowler, um, and especially more dangerous being a left arm, a left arm bowler as well, a left arm offy always makes you a bit more dangerous. Rabada, I really like Rabada; he's a great bowler. I saw um, him play for Kent a few years ago at Gloucester, and we were side on. And you can just tell when someone has that extra bit of magic. Because obviously, you know, Bristol, very small ground. I've seen quite a lot of 85, 86 there. When 90 plus consistently comes, it's making good batsmen jump away. And I'm really excited to see Bairstow versus Rabada. That could be an incredible battle of a lot of stubborn men. Two fiery characters, yeah. Yeah. It, it would be fantastic. Filiquayu as well. I hope I pronounced that right. Yeah. Um, it's it's Ungidi. Ungidi's good, yeah. He bought yeah. really well in the T20 series. And then that left armour, Jansen. Jansen. Yes, Jansen. yeah. It's not bad, tall, quick. And no, 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 Nokia. No. Yeah, Nokia. He's Fair rapid. Play. Fair play. He We've is done quick. We've done names not too badly. We've done names not too badly. Right. But, but yeah, like what what their bowling attack is very capable. And and given our batting is probably our vulnerability, um, I potentially think this is a I mean India do have a strong bowling attack, but I potentially think this is stronger mm. just because of the variety and the pace a couple of them have. Um so, yeah, if you look at the Indian bowling attack, you've obviously got Bumrah, who's unreal, Shami, who's unreal, and then the third and fourth seamer in in uh, Thakur and uh, Siraj are just not quite at that level. Whereas if you look at this sort of South African bowling attack, if Rabada's not firing, then you've got Nokia, come on, you know, or or Ngidi, or you've got options for, for like, how do you say, for Lequeo or, or Yanta. So yeah. they, I think it's going to be a bigger test for our batting lineup than we've, we've seen this summer. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare. I do think in this series at some point, we are going to get absolutely rocked playing basketball cricket. And we're going to get bowled out for absolutely bugger all and they're going to thrash us. But also, I do think we'll probably win a couple of games. I think we'll probably win the series. That was going to be two my next one, question. You're saying 2-1? Yeah. It's interesting. Oh, oh sorry, Toby. It's, there's no danger of rain. There's no danger of a draw test match. There's no danger of rain. It's about you, I haven't seen rain in about three months. Yeah. You live in Norfolk, don't you? So yeah, it's been absolutely unreal. Yeah, even in Bristol, Honestly. it rains so much down here. So we could see Has some... Yeah, There's barely rain, barely rained here. And it oh, right, yeah. We could see some really fast pitches, Toby, uh, especially following a heat wave coming this weekend, which is another really one. In yeah, another one. It, like that old Nana from Bristol. Not another one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure Eco Frenzy have covered it. Uh, Toby, do you think England will be able to deal with the heat, deal with the, maybe a faster pitch at Lords, and do you think they'll get a good series result? I think I agree with George. I think 2-1 is probably the, as I said, my prediction. Um, I'll also shamelessly plug the Sticky Week at TikTok, which has just become underway again. Um, 
um, did a did a squads reaction on that, um, and I predicted two one in that video as well. Um, mm. So it's I think two two ones prob. But then I, either way, England get rolled out rolled rolled out for what under a hundred and two of the games, and even a sort of four hundred chase might be on the cards. But can they do it every match? No, that's a very good point. This series could be this series could be three 0 for either team. It's it's so or it could be two one to either team. I don't think there'll be any draws. No, no draw. I think the most <laughs> exciting series that I've, maybe South Africa has posed. Well, I mean they've only come over twice since 2012, but it's a very exciting series that I don't think we've had in this country for a long time. It's two good nations playing two good cricket, and I think South Africa a bit more warmed up than New Zealand were. I think the talent and the mentalities of both teams could lead. It's a really exciting series, and that is what I'm going to say. South Africa won, England three. I just think it's going to be... Where's the, uh, where's where's the fourth, the, where's the fourth game? game? <laughs> is it not a four games? Three, three game series. I thought we were playing a four games. I, my brain is absolutely frazzled. Toby, you're happy with the 100, I'm sure. What's you right now? Out of the county system, as we... No, just kidding. Um, how has the 100 been for you, lads? I'm sure you lads have watched quite a bit. Uh, Toby, for the financial reasons and George for leg-based reasons. Let's go to Happy Clappy. I love the 100. Woohoo, Toby Reynolds. How's your experience of the 100 been this year? It's been really good. I think after the first game, I was a little worried. It was a pretty <laughs> pretty poor game. Southern Brave absolutely demolished Welsh Fire. But it's kind of what you expect when, when you sort of got the winners from last year playing a team who... Only won one game without Johnny Bairstow, and he's obviously not playing again this year. So that was a bit of a shame. But since then, we've had some really, really good games. Yesterday, London Spirit, who were who came bottom last year, managed to um, managed to beat Manchester Originals, scored a really, really good 170, 160, and then bowled out Manchester. Um, and right now, we've got Trent Rockets trying to chase about, what was it, 160, I want to say. David Visa just scored 25 ball, 30 ball, 50. Um so he's been smashing everywhere. And I mean, keep you guys updated, even though it'll have already happened. Yeah, I mean, what people love is to stay updated in a game that's already yeah. been completed, Toby. Um, <laughs> to be fair, when we edited the uh, Over the Trent St. Patrick's Day special, uh, we still had the updates from Barbados, where George was in Barbados giving us updates on the test. <laughs> two days after England had drawn. Um, we're going to... Th- I'm going to be positive about the 100, Toby. I think... It's been done better this year. I think the promotion of it has been better. I think the way people like Harry Kane are getting involved, mm. that is huge. And um, obviously Ben Doherty as well. Especially Harry Kane did the toss. You yeah. like it now? Yeah. No, no, no. I just think... You did a six-hitting competition. Smashed the ball all around Lords. I think no COVID has really helped that. Last yeah. year, the yeah. players were bubbled so tightly. They, they weren't allowed anyone in. Um, they weren't sort of going out, sort of seeing fans. Like we were talking before this, me and Dom, about uh, Trent Rockets were in Nottingham going to a festival and stuff like that, which last year would have would never have been happened. They were barely allowed outside the hotel. I think what the hundred needed to be was a mild carnival. Mm. Obviously, we're not talking Woodstock or you know what I mean. It's just a sort of family friendly. Oh, I know him. Oh, Pomp- Bastille are playing. It's what the people who like cricket go to. And I don't think it had that last year, if we're really honest. It just felt like another extension of the blast, but with weird rules. 
And obviously it's not been perfect. There's been things like Trent Rockets playing on the first day of this season for Notts County at the same time. Interesting decision. And also there's three no balls and two of them are free hits. Slightly baffling decision. That's just general cricket rules though, Dom. That's but not the hundreds. Know, no, That's just no. cricket. <laughs> but if we're going down to a five ball over, we might as well just speed it up. Or sorry, a five ball set. We might as well just make it clear. Because I think that is very pedantic. Because imagine you're explaining cricket to someone new. And they go, why isn't that a free hit? You go, well, it's this rule. I just think maybe clear that up. If we're jiggering around with all the new rules, might as well make that one a little bit better. But I'm going to be honest, I think it's been very good. And I think it's hopefully broadening out a little bit. It's not, I think last year for me, it felt very much like, do your kids like cricket? They'll love the 100. And if you weren't a someone who played all-stars cricket it wasn't really for you that's my personal opinion obviously Toby was taking the big dollar from it so he can't really talk but George what's been your experience of the 100 has it been positive like mine obviously Luke Green hasn't been involved in this podcast due to editing reasons on this account I did so I was really thinking about it while you're speaking about my opinions on the 100 because I've never really thought about it before in depth I think it's great we've got a franchise tournament in England, I think it was needed. I just still don't quite know why we needed to have it as a hundred, why we couldn't just have a T20 competition. I just don't, I still don't understand that. I don't think kids are watching at home and go, oh, it's five balls now. Yeah, I'll play cricket. You know, Toby, <laughs> come on, you're the advocate of the hundred. Why did they, why did they need to change T20 cricket? I think it was a, it was a mix of reasons. Um, I think the main one really was, Part of it is just the brand. I think calling it the hundred rather than the British Premier League or something. They kind of wanted to differentiate it a little bit. Why? Because why would you rather watch the British Premier League than the Bangladesh Premier League, Pakistan Premier League, IPL, Indian Premier League? It's all the same kind of thing. I think they wanted to try and differentiate it. Yeah, but all the biggest ones more... in the world are the same things, right? So yeah, this new I... Dubai League is the what? Well, yeah. yeah, carry on. It, it does they... one of our games, doesn't it, Toast? They've come up with a name. And then they work backwards yeah. a little. Well, as as Taylor's talk about, it's matching. It's the five balls that make yeah. all the difference. Five. It's all about fives. Um, but I think but, as well, no. also shortening it um, partly for BBC reasons. BBC wanted sort of a slightly shorter um, format so it could sort of fit into scheduling a bit better. Um, and I think, I think that's I think... rubbish. If they'd made if they'd made a franchise tournament as a T Twenty, and they said, "Oh, look, this is going to be two and a half hours," but we're really tough. The BBC aren't going to go, now. bugger that. I don't want it. Oh, yeah. I only want it if it's 100 balls also, and half an hour short. This actually links on to something else and something that has been a success. At the Commonwealth Games, the real Lionesses, who actually won a tournament before the media got interested. So let's not forget women's cricket existed and we should absolutely plug that as much as women's football. They've been doing really well in the T20 tournament in the Commonwealth Games on the BBC. So that's been really good to see as well. And actually, women's cricket is getting a lot of publicity. And we talk about the growth of the game. How good has it been to have another women's tournament on the BBC for everyone to see? And I think it's probably achieved a lot of good, especially with Australia, India, and maybe countries that, okay, especially India, where they still don't have a women's IPL, which is atrocious, really, if we're honest. It's just so good to see them doing well. And hopefully that will inspire British, Asian, young women over here. So hopefully we'll be able to see a new generation there. But yeah, the Commonwealth Games, overall success in cricket. This, this is URN. It's interesting, isn't it? How the 100, it's seeming to be a bit more 
successful and engaging the public a bit. What do you think that is mainly down to? I think it's a lot of over time. <laughs> I think Bible sets, sorry. Bible sets, yeah. God. Um, I think a lot of it probably is just to do with the sort of publicity behind it. I think when Luke was on here, he's talking about how there's been so much hundreds publicity and they're sort of pushing it on Instagram and everything in particular. I think too bad, I think the social media behind the hundreds and the, sort of, the way they've done even before yeah, I, I started working. <laughs> <laughs> the way they do it is give yourself it's so a pat on the back, Toby. Yeah, well, 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 two hours almost at Trent Bridge after the first game, an hour and a half on the field, signing all scars with every single person who was there. Um, he's just a bloke, isn't he? He's just such a good guy. Top class bloke. He, he remembered you before the Forest Sheffield United game. I said, do you remember working with Toby Reynolds? Because he was just walking from the car park with Stuart Boyd. He went, oh yeah, nice guy. So either he's a good liar or he remembers you and he's a good bloke. Well, let's hope it's the latter, Tobes. <laughs> We've talked about seemingly everything else that's going on with the Hunters, but we actually haven't actually talked about what's going on on the pitch. Has anyone really excited you this 100 tournament? I'll go to Toby as he's our resident expert. <laughs> resident expert, I'll take that. I seem to be resident expert at most things when you're hosting, Dom. Just yeah, yeah. changes from uh, episode to episode is what I have to be an expert on. Show to show, Toby, you've been the resident expert of many a things. I mean, Will Jackson has been really good so far. I didn't have the greatest first game, but scored 80, uh, 81, I think it was, a couple of days ago. Really, really explosive. He sort of got off to a bit of a slow start. Um, well, sort of, Oval sort of collapsed around him almost. Jason Roy on for another failure, which is hurtful to his career, to say the least. But, um, but I mean, he had a brilliant 80 from... Uh, I, don't think, I don't think he'll get dropped, but we'll stay on the 100. Um, Will Jacks, I think, has been fantastic. Playing in the Lions today. I mean, who knows where his career could go. I'm surprised he's not had any chances for England yet. I think he's probably one of the sort of most slept on players by the England White Bull side. I mean, there's not much space, but I think he's definitely got to get a call up at some point. Um, who else has done well? Um, that, actually, to be fair, um, Sam's, Daniel Sams for Tram Rockets had a really, really good first game and sort of has been pretty good again. Um, today, took a few wickets um, in both and sort of, I didn't really expect it because he was sort of the fourth overseas player picked by Tram Rockets. Um, so I wasn't really expecting him to play necessarily, but he's been been really good so far. Um, sort of not taking the new ball, I think, a little bit and um, and looked quite dangerous with it. And he can obviously smash the ball everywhere, as sort of anyone who's sort of seen him in the big bash and even the IPL a little bit have, have seen. Um, yeah, George, you got any any players you've been watching? You know what I really like um, is Nathan Ellis, yes, the Aussie, the bowler. I think he's good, mate. I think he's very good. I think he's got a shout against the Australian squad for the T20 World Cup. Um, and he's got a really interesting story. I don't know if you know. Do you know the story? No, go for it. He he was so he's from uh, in in Australia, New South Wales, but he didn't, wasn't in any of the representative stuff coming through the age groups. And then he got he broke into sort of second grade, first grade cricket when he was sort of eighteen, nineteen, doing well, like no chance of any representation. So uh, Tasmania got in touch. He moved to Tasmania away from his family and stuff when he was young went and gave it a go. But as soon as he got down there, the whole coaching staff changed. The whole coaching team changed. So he basically left stranded down there, not not really very much on the outskirts of Tasmanian cricket. He then 
basically came over to England, had a season over here, and basically just came over with a mate and went into railing. So basically, he said what he, what he did is he on a Saturday got a flight to a European city on a Sunday, came back for training on a Thursday, wow. and then did that every week all season. Um, and then when he got back, he sort of like he worked his way into the Tasmanian stuff, played a season, did quite well, and then that winter or that winter was sort of the COVID year, and it's when the IPL was in uh, Dubai. Dubai. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's a few people pull out with COVID and stuff, and, and it's like out of nowhere, he just got a call for the IPL. Just So after one season playing for Tasmania, uh, he did well. He got a call for the IPL, obviously then got a contract, it was like 200000 and a load of money, did really well. And then since then, it's just basically played non-stop franchise tournaments all over the world in the IPL, and then obviously came over here, played for... Uh, Hampshire. Oh, Hampshire. Yeah, won, won the blast for the Hampshire. Controversially. Yeah, controversially. Yeah. But, um, and now obviously playing in the 100, basically to try and get in the Australian T20 team. But I thought that's quite a nice story. Don't hear, hear much like that. It's a no, bit like um, the fast bowler for England. What's his? He's a school teacher, isn't he? Oh, uh, Lintot, do you mean? The, the uh, left arm wristman? No, no, the fast guy. Gleason. Oh, um, uh, Gleason, yeah. Gleason, yeah. Another good story. Yeah. He teaches at a school during the week. He's played for England. I think unbelievable. does provide these amazing stories of people coming from nowhere, village cricketers, to going on to play for their countries. And I think that's one of the joys of cricket, how it just seems to happen a bit more. Oh, I think. yeah. Nathan Ellis as well took a hat-trick on his Australian debut. Imagine that. Yeah. Another, yeah. another part of the story. It's Some just real. amazing stories. And... We're going to move on to the Commonwealth Games, a fantastic opportunity for women's cricket to be live on the BBC. England getting not quite all the way there, not even getting a bronze medal, losing in the semi-final to New Zealand. But the one big thing I want to talk about is the Indian women team doing so well, getting a silver medal on British telly, free to view. That is really important for what I think the future of the game. If you look at the majority of the Lionesses, if you look at whether that be football or cricket, predominantly are white. You look at most of the men's football team, there's a, an amazing mixture of diversity. You look at the England cricket team, bar Mo, Chris Jordan and Adil Rashid in the test squad is a very white-dominated sport. I hope that the uh, Indian women's success, especially in Birmingham as well, at Edgbaston, selling it out, will be a sort of future for change. Do you guys have anything to say on this? Because... Well, yeah, I do actually. Yeah, go for it. Because, great, great. If the, I think it's great. But the, the more equal opportunities, the better. The, I honestly believe that. However, the fact that India won, I don't think is. I don't, I don't think Australia it's Because right. basically, women's cricket, women's Australia haven't lost a game or something stupid in four years. They're just broken. And now, obviously, India are plowing a bit of money into women's cricket. And then, like, they should have won this this game. India should have won this game. And next, India are just going to overtake Australia and they're just going to dominate women's cricket and no one will be able to get near to, near to it. I think. That's my prediction. Yeah, I think that, I'm just saying it's just going to be... It's been Australia far, that have absolutely dominated it and now it's going to be India. Yeah, sorry. I think India are still too far behind, though. I mean, they've still not got an, a women's IPL. They've got their challenge trophy or whatever, a three-team They should have won that game, though. Right? They should have won that game. They obviously have the, the player resources with, what, a billion people in India, <laughs> but... 
Um, but I still think that they're, they're going to be a decade behind at least Australia and probably five years behind us by the time the IPL actually kicks off. I mean, we've had better than us. I, we uh, can't even beat New Zealand. Well, in fairness, yeah. in fairness, we have a World Cup under our tr- uh, under our belts. We got rained out of the T20 World Cup yeah. again, and sadly missed a chance to sing with Katy Perry. It, it is quite far away from. I, I think the next World Cup. I could be absolutely wrong, but like just focusing on maybe English player development and women's sport in particular, it is very white dominated. And obviously, we're three white blokes talking about this. We yeah. maybe not the most educated in this matter but we you know we can still offer a slight opinion obviously take it with a pinch of salt i think games like this free to air television and the bbc being involved in things like the 100 getting players and female players who aren't white who are diverse and wonderfully diverse and i think women's cricket is so wonderfully diverse i've got a question for you both i've got a question for you both slightly i'm doing my dissertation on this it's about inequalities of opportunity depending on class to reach Mm professional sport but my personal opinion of it I 100% there needs to be greater representation in international cricket from ethnic minority groups 100% there's no question about that but I don't think the issue is I don't think England are going oh we're not going to pick this guy because he's black or whatever I don't think people are I think genuinely we try and pick the 11 best people that are available to the team that that moment i think the problem is opportunities before that Mm. and i don't necessarily think i think in some cases probably it is racism but i do think on the whole cricket especially is more of a class problem than a race problem and i think the disparities in racial groups in professional cricket is down to the fact that unfortunately a lot of ethnic minorities make up a greater proportion of lower class people than upper class people there's less there's less for example there's less black people in private schools than there is in the state sector right and i think that's the problem and i think the real issue i don't know if you watched freddie flintoff's documentary i haven't actually watched it yet but apparently it's very i watched good. the episode and need to finish the third but yeah i think i touched. think it's a class problem more than anything and the opportunities that people get as a lower at lower people in a lower class get far less opportunities to reach professional cricket than people in an upper upper class like schools and opportunity, and that's what means there's less ethnic diversity in cricket than some other sports like football. Sorry, Toby. Yeah, I think I think that's very. I think South Africa is probably quite a good way of looking at it. They've obviously got the a, a literal quota, and you have to have I think it's two black players and five or six um, non-white players in their, in their starting 11 or something like that anyway. Um, which I think is a great thing to have. The problem is, is it's done at too high a level almost because, um, I mean, it's a lot of the reason that South Africa lose, like KP, for example, came over to England because he thought that he would have a much lower chance of getting in the squads because he was white and they had to have a certain number of black players. And I think a lot of the arguments in South Africa, they need to have these quotas lower down the system so that by the time that you get to international cricket, you shouldn't necessarily be forced to pick players. You should be picking the 11 best players. And whether that is, that could be 11 black, could be 11 um, Asian, could be 11 white, whatever it might be. But if everyone has a more equal opportunity lower down in the system, it's sort of, if, if you get to, um, I don't know, under 18s cricket, say, the sort of sorry under 18s have to pick a certain number from private school, certain number from state schools, whatever it might be. And similar in South Africa, they have to pick 
certain number of whites, certain number of non-whites. But my problem with quotas is this, is that if you're saying you need to pick a certain number, it is sort of like you're not fixing the problem by doing that. You're, you're hiding the problem. The problem is that these people aren't getting the opportunities to be as good as the other people. So I think everything should be based on ability. So if you're an under-18s team, it should be the 11 best people that you have available to have that. But everyone should have the same opportunity to get to their level that their talent dictates. No? But how, and then, so, so how are you doing case, that without anyone being picked? So say you're, if you're sort of, someone's given an opportunity, but they've only sort of, say you're, so th- let's say under 13s is probably one of the, the earliest levels you'll play for Surrey or academies at. Um, how at that level do you sort of give someone an opportunity who some from a state school or yeah, from it, it's it's hard, it is probably hypothetical at the moment because society is so far off this ideal. Yeah. But if you take a perfect society, right, everyone everyone who wants to pursue cricket should have the same access to resources and stuff to reach that. Because what what I think about well, what I've started thinking about when I'm reading this stuff is that. How different do you think the England men's cricket team would be if you took on birth the 11 most talented players in the country? It would be totally different, right? Surely. The potential yeah, talent that people have to fill. In theory, none of them would be playing. I don't think possibly, anyone would, would somehow get another call up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's a prime example of it, isn't he? He's a prime example of friendly educated gone through the system yeah. sort of golden boy of Surrey and he's playing for England one thing I will say is that this is not just a problem isolated to to cricket and also if you actually look at many sports that are growing up if you remember the sort of 70s for if you actually look at the crowds at cricket it's a very ethnically diverse uh, picture especially when the West Indies came over in 76 it's a real expression of national identity and I think a lot of Asian and Indian and Sri Lankan families and Pakistani families got into cricket through that. And I think, unfortunately, that is being diminished within those communities. I don't think you see those amazing Caribbean crowds anymore. I think for a lot of BAME athletes, it's not the same pathway. And I think, uh, I was about to say Alex Scott, but it's not. Um, Ebony Rainford Brent has talked about how there's not enough understanding at coaching level that maybe there's different attitudes, different cultures. You'd listen to, say, Joffre Archer's stories at the World Cup and he's a bit more relaxed than maybe, say, Johnny Bairstow. And obviously his upbringing in Barbados might mean he's a little bit, you know, he was sleeping during the first game of the World Cup and J-Roy is just bouncing up and down. There are different cultures within different cultures. It's simply like that. So I think there needs to be greater understanding at a higher level because if you look at the participation levels, it's very mixed for a long time. And then it suddenly drops off, which I find. Yeah, cool. and how much how much is society like social norms to blame for this, right? Yeah. I bet if you go into sort of streets in West London, for example, suburbs in West London, if you ask them about cricket, their initial like that like it's boring. It's this, it's that, right? So cricket has a certain which I guess the hundreds trying to change, which is one of the good things about it. Definitely. But it has a certain social image, especially within some certain sectors of the country. And how much is that a constraint? Because they're still, they could still go and pick up a cricket bat if they wanted to, right? Because my granddad taught my granddad's from Tottenham. He built, he like grew up in slums in Tottenham around that area. And they used to play cricket on the streets with a lamppost and a mm. ball and a bat with like the people on the streets, right? But at now that that's, doesn't happen. People play football. 
but cricket's sort of this boring middle class white sport. I uh, yeah, I, I do see what you're saying about the hundred as well. But I've always thought this: why aren't schools supplied with cricket bats? Or you know, we had seventy two million for the hundred. Would that money been okay? Not saying all of it. I'm not saying oh, seventy two million going to schools, but could we not organise coaches best chance to shine? I really do worry about the future of cricket at times. Well, this is what I mean. If someone, if someone's never going to pick up a cricket bat, they never know if they're going to enjoy it or be great at it. You know, there's yeah. probably the most talented England, the most talented cricketer in the country has never picked up a cricket bat in his life. Yeah. Or her life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the wonderful thing about the Commonwealth Games showing a variety of sports, everything from T20 cricket to lawn bowls, which Toby and I are going to actually go for for the next Commonwealth Games, aren't we, Tobes? Uh, away days, uh, it'd be great content. <laughs> I was thinking about playing it, but you know, let's let's. No, that's what I meant. We can live oh. live vlog <laughs> as we're as we're bowling. as we're rolling it down. Uh, yeah, it is all about creating a new audience for cricket, and I think that has been definitely successful. And and what we we're almost going on to was that I think the hundred could be successful with more games on the BBC. But yeah, it's we know cricket's got a problem. I think you'd be foolish to say otherwise. If you look at the teams I play at a very low level of cricket, it's predominantly white. And that does worry me that we're going to slowly sort of get rid of the wonderful thing about cricket is that it's more diverse than most other sports in the world. And I'm really worried about that. It unites communities like no other. And yeah, I just, I'm, I'm always worried about cricket, but I think the 100 might be a source for good on a wider level than just the professional. And I think sometimes when we talk about it's, it's killing the counties, but for what cause, if you know what I mean? I think that's a very interesting. What do we have to sacrifice to reinvent cricket? It's, it's a fascinating topic, but I'm sure we've tried our best and hopefully that's been quite a serious discussion. And we're going to move on to another serious discussion, I'm afraid. Ben Stokes has fully retired now from one day international cricket. Um, very sad, especially considering he won't ever play at a World Cup again. That that's that is slightly weird. I probably come out come out of retirement for the next year. I'm not sure he will. I really don't think he will. I think it is sad that he's had to retire from due to mental health reasons. And there's going to be an Amazon Prime documentary. And I know he's actually very brave in doing this, but there's something ultimately quite sad about it that we're not going to see a prodigious talent again at a One Day Cup due to just the constraints of cricket. There's so much cricket. Toby, how can England? I don't know how to phrase this question. It's very, I don't want to diminish Ben's uh, decision, and I think it's a fantastic decision. He knows better than anyone what to do. He, he, I cannot stress that enough. But what can the ECB do now to maybe lighten the player load? Because there's the blast. I mean, most England players aren't playing in it. But I don't think this is a problem with domestic cricket, though. Yeah. It's just the international schedule. Three series. And it's not like J- Jimmy Anderson's playing... Uh, like he was in 2012, where he'd be playing the test matches, the ODIs, the T20s. It is broadened out, but it just seems like the player load is really ramping up. And there's well, been so- just, they are just trying to play too much cricket, really. I mean, the problem really is, I, I would think, is probably bilateral white ball series. Mm-hmm. They're sort of they mean pretty much nothing. I guess they're slightly help towards qualifying for the World Cup, but that's only just been brought in recently. But realistically, no one, the sort of, we've had 
what, six ODIs, six T20s in the last month since the uh, India Test Series. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I could tell you any single um, any single match has happened. Go ahead. I, I, I really feel passionate about this. I don't feel like it matters. No, I agree. I really? can't actually, other than the one I went to in Southampton, and the only reason I'm remembering it is because it was so awful. Yeah, well, it went awfully for England. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just been battered for a month. We have just been it, it just doesn't matter. They, they, they just pale into insignificance. It, they it's just so... play way too much cricket. But I yeah. think, from my understanding of it, Ben Stokes obviously had his mental, the men, mental health problem, which is awful. Like, yeah. But I do feel like, from what he said about retirement from this cricket, it's a very much a statement against the planning of the ECB that they're playing way too many games. And it's true. I mean, there was some sort of ridiculous stuff. They played 20 games in 25 days or something yeah. stupid like that. But like they were literally playing a game, travelling, staying in a hotel and then playing a game the next day. They didn't, yeah, they didn't it's, even it's just ridiculous. Bristol, Bristol to Glamorgan, it was the it was the one that I thought, oh, hang on, that, that's, that's quite a... And I well, they went I, to Durham. They played in Durham after playing in London or somewhere yeah. on the next pales, day. It just pales the games into insignificance. Yeah. They just they just don't matter. Yeah, it, yeah. It it does worry me at what cost. Because uh, obviously you're trying to get a new audience in. It's a day out for people in Durham to watch England, and that makes them feel represented. And I think England more than the England cricket team more than rugby and much more than football is a national team. It covers every ground pretty much I am just worried that we're going so far so furious that we could see something really dreadful happen I'm really worried about if you look at okay this is quite an extreme example but you look at the mental health within say the WWE I used to watch that whilst I was young but you'd hear stories of people committing suicide because they were on the road so much and you look at Andy Flower when he was like 300 days away out of 365 days a year from his own bed that is so worrying. And obviously there's more players and there's more coaching staff available, but I, I am worried about the mental health of the players. And it is, I don't know what the how to solve it because we need... Well, I to- think Toby's right, right? These bilateral T20 series yeah. and ODIs are just pointless. What you I play the like- World Cup every two or four years and you have some qualifiers maybe, but... Mm. Do, you, do we really need to be playing South Africa? In- well, I'd, I'd really like to see the Lions be playing these kind of games, getting sort of 18, 19, 20-year-olds, particularly with now the Royal London One Day Cup being pushed into the 100. No one's going to play any white ball 50-over um, games, really, if you're sort of a good quality player. Um, but is, is that going to fill Lords? is the question. Well, I don't think these games aren't really going to fill Lords, particularly when you're paying 50, yeah, 100 quid. That's the thing. Lords is never full. Well, okay, bar lords, which yeah. is yeah, but, I agree. Yeah. Even then, but yeah, but you need to fill lords though. Why can't you have them at different grounds? Why can't you have it at Chelmsford? Yeah, it would yeah, make it a lot better as well. Seeing it, filling okay. 12,000, 15,000 seats, yeah, Chelmsford, Bristol, to see but, even someone like Phil Salt. He is a world class player playing all over the world in franchises, and he deserves some sort of sort of chance with England. He's getting a little bit playing for the main side. But if the Lions say we're playing all of these squads, and Lions are the ones traveling playing all the White Bull series, obviously, someone like Jason Roy, who doesn't play any sort of test cricket, could be thrown in with these squads as well. But there's no need really for Bearstow or Root or Stokes to be playing in any any white ball matches other than the sort of the month before a World Cup because they're not going to get any better by playing. They should be and they should be allowed to play in the domestic, like the hundreds, domestic 
sort of yes. franchise tournaments, and and they they should be allowed to go and earn a load of money in the IPL or wherever they want to. I think the timing of this summer has been really poorly organised. We've got the 100 overlapping, the test series again, and it's just the 100 sort of came at the end of the Commonwealth Games, so a lot of women's games have been delayed or maybe not had the stars they would have wanted to, which is a bit of a shame. I think the 100 starting off with the women's game was really special last year. I just think it's been a bit of a mess for this ECB, and it well, yeah, they're trying to cram in games that they already had agreed before COVID. Yeah. yeah. They don't want to lose out on money. So it's sort of understandable. This sort of period is just an anomaly and it's sort of understandable as long as it doesn't happen again. I think it will, though. I, I don't see any reason that, that it's happened. It's been fairly successful. Like, these we haven't lost anyone. They probably made a lot of money from it. They're going to think we can do this over and over again. And, and without someone like Ben Stokes, Stokes retired yeah, and made a bit without of Without him then. standing up against it, I think these we would have just done the same again and the same again. Which I think why. I think that's why he's done it more than yeah. anything. And obviously, Bears are dropping out the 100. That's another statement. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they had some sort of communication between specifically those two, maybe a couple other players that are saying, I, we're going to drop down out of these ones to try and make a bit of a statement. And a good on them if they have. Us gingers doing all the work as usual. It's very interesting. I want to just, this has obviously been a very serious second half to the podcast, which I really wasn't expecting. But it's been really interesting listening, I'm sure. What would you say to the ECB right now? Just you only have 30 seconds, a sort of a Trent degree level of time, Toby. What would you say to the ECB? Just explain your thoughts. Scrap bilaterals, they make no difference. No one really cares. Get the Lions playing some more cricket as well. People need so the younger kids need to chance, even if, particularly outside of England, then you actually have an idea who can be brought in um, when needed in World Cups. White ball cricket, you may play one home series a year, one away series maybe, but you don't need to play, particularly in such a short English summer. You're, you're realistically, the international summers from maybe late May till early September, that's what, four months, three months of cricket. Um, there's not enough time to play two test series, even three if you're including the one India, playing seven, seven test matches. is already a hell of a lot of cricket plus the 100 they want to try and keep the, the the best the sort of keep the test players and the best players there for as long as possible it makes just relax cricket a little bit they don't need to play so much and just chill just chill just chill uh george this i am going to have to time you on this one because i know you can run better than anyone else maybe I'd say Luke Green, uh, I don't know, maybe myself could go for a longer run. I'm just going to give you a slight warning here. Please don't swear for Toby's editing sake. You've already had to bleep out in the previous part of the podcast. You have 30 seconds. No, I'll I'll just say one sentence. I'll try and and say one sentence. One sentence with 36 ands, seven becauses, and and some semicolons. (laughs) I think they need to focus on the the quality of cricket, not the quantity of cricket. Yeah. Can I, I'll play devil's advocate here. The reason why there's so many one-day games is because tickets sell and we need tickets to keep the Royal London One Day Cup. Oh, here we go. Come on, Toby. So, as, as, to keep the Royal London One Day as, Cup? Yeah, exactly. But as an economist, you know, supply and demand is basically what economics is about. If there's too much supply then prices have to drop and the and the quantity then therefore will have to drop because of it as well. You can't keep having 
more and more. Um, We've already because... said, Dom. Like I've ha- I haven't heard anyone say they gave a sh- or <laughs> gave oh, really? a damn about these bilateral T20 but, or but, ODI series. No I mean, one cares. No, but does anyone care? Mean that less tickets have been sold. That's what's interesting. We're still selling out Old Trafford. But if it's the same thing every year, yeah, but they will and also if. Pay less uh, if suddenly Ben Stokes stops playing and then Joe Root stops playing and then Johnny Berto stops playing, yeah, then fair. people aren't going to go and watch it. Yeah, I, I'll accept that, but currently only Ben Stokes has done that and Root doesn't really feature that often. He's taken a few series off. And yeah, also- I'll be surprised if, if it carries on the way it is, players are going to stop playing. As well, much so if, if you look at the stars element. I don't think, say, Liam Plunkett was selling out a stadium before and he was an integral part. It's a very interesting discussion that we'll probably have to leave there. We've only got a few minutes left on the podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, StickyWickets underscore your end. Now, Toby is working with The 100 this summer. Congratulations. Very proud, mate. Very proud. Um, he might have mentioned that he worked last summer. We, you know, we don't really like to go on with that joke. Um, but Toby is also reigniting the TikTok page. Toby... Can you give us any spoilers and what's coming up on that TikTok page? Um, well, I'm trying to do a video every day for the sort of month of August. I think I started on the second or third. So I'm going to try and do one every day if possible. Uh, we've had almost 2,000 views on one of them, um, talking about reaction to the uh, England test squads. Um, I'm going to try and sort of, yeah, I'll do like 100 recaps sort of once a week. Uh, if there's any sort of particular moments as well. And obviously when the test matches are on, I'll try and do like a daily update or sort of what might have happened or at least sort of one after each test match and sort of any profound ideas I might have. Actually, you'll be um, happy to know my most recent video that I think went up today. It might have been yesterday, actually. Um, I did a reaction to what some of my unpopular opinions were from last year um, when in the TikToks. So I had like a little note and I had four unpopular opinions sort of ready to make videos about and I never got around to them. Yeah. Uh, one of them was Rory Burns will become an international icon for England <laughs> um, which didn't age very well but the one that's aged worse is Johnny Bairstow will have a Graham Hick-esque career yeah. and be remembered like Graham Hick and this this summer he has slightly uh, done a little bit better than that I will say yeah all I remember is George in the URN office going I just don't think he'll play <laughs> about Johnny Bairstow I don't see where they slide him in um, yeah <laughs> I don't I think what that shows is Cricket is a wonderful game that can turn on its head and everything can be right and everything can be wrong in an instant. It's just a wonderful part of cricket. So if you are free, try and do go to some cricket. I'm sure it will help. And if you do just buy a county shirt, even if for a nephew, a niece, a cousin, maybe even your dad, I don't know, your mum might want one. Just, you know, just spread a little love to the county game is what I'd say. Um, If you'd like to spread a little love to us, uh, Toby takes money, uh, George takes cricket gloves and currently a stretcher you need someone to carry him around i will just I'll take money as well but if you could more importantly and probably more likely if you could like share and subscribe or subscribe yeah follow the podcast it is on yeah. apple subscribe on spotify give us a rating we really do appreciate that and follow us on instagram as long as it's good yeah yeah you know just say it's good just say it's all good. publicity is good publicity yeah, yeah, just share it with your cricket mates. Maybe put it on this, this on your cricket WhatsApp group. Going, this lads are these lads are all right. Speaking of club cricket, just before we leave, anyone played? Obviously, George. I think you've been playing much since. The- no, mate. Unfortunately, yeah. not. Toves has been busy. Yeah, I played 
four games um, last month. And actually, it's probably the best four games I've ever had. Four days of cricket I've ever 4, had. 4,000 runs. Yeah, go on. I scored, I scored a 65. I scored a 40, uh, a 35, and uh, and something else as well, do I? And, uh, and a 20-odd or something. I was... Yeah. I was I was quite impressed. You averaged forty in four games. Toby. I averaged forty in four games. I was, I was. That's probably the best four games of cricket I've ever had. I scored all about runnable. I got a six, 64 from sixty-one. Uh, we played a hundred game as well. Um, oh, of course, you did. Which is, was yeah, actually good yeah. fun. Uh, yeah, 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 the Royal Marines. Um, yeah, I am. I am giving everything out. Yeah, that's out. So sorry. <laughs> I um <laughs> played against the Royal Marines. Oh, that's really made me laugh. I can't we wait. We don't want to give one of them a send off. Oh, that's out. That's out. Uh, yeah. Salute them, I think. Is sorry, mate. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, that, that did, I thought it did bounce once or twice, but I'll give it a six. Um, <laughs> I'd love to see them in the hundred. Um, wow. Out of all the places to go, Tobes, did not see that one coming. Um, I scored on one of the apps for scoring and wow has it changed my life it's well, just play, is it called play cricket by any chance uh might be might be and yeah. i absolutely loved it it was so much easier than book so if you are working for a cricket club just get just get the app just please get the app it's so i, I can't believe you haven't heard of play cricket I, all games are scored on play cricket i don't i haven't played cricket in like three four years so Play cricket, mate. Uh, I've, I've been umpiring. You find any stats in the world on play cricket? I could <laughs> probably find your stats, Tom. Oh, let's let's not worry about that. I'll have a look at these now. <laughs> let's not worry about that. Um, I had a cheek. I bowled four overs two Sundays ago, uh, two Saturdays ago. Plenty. Yeah, bowled actually solidly. I'm not sure if I talked about. Yeah, I think I talked about my wonder ball that pitched outside off and creamed back into middle stop. Might have mentioned it. Might have mentioned it. Plum LBW. Slower ball, um, but then there was an there was an interesting wine decision just before drinks, and I want to know if this is petty enough. I just in view of the umpire went down, scratched the wide hurt mark, and went, "Oh, it's still there," because it had clearly been inside, and I just thought it might have disappeared for a moment there, or it moved. Do you think that's petty? I, I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah, you're better. You're better than that. You I just mean, tell the you just have a go at the umpire and just look at him funny. Just look at I, I, did, I did. I did stop and have a look at him. I was staring at that teapot. Very angry. It, I'm going to be honest. That squash was ruined. I love. I love a cricket club weak squash. Was it? Oh, I suppose we need to do the super over on George. I don't think we've done it yet, Toby. You are in super over. No, I think maybe next podcast, particularly next if uh, anyone else is back on who hasn't done it yet. I think I mean, Archie's done it. But yeah, no, that pretty much is all we've got time for. It's been a really interesting pod, lads. We've talked about a lot of things, and you know, I didn't expect us to talk so much about cricket behind the scenes. And it's been a wonderful, hopefully, a wonderful listen. So do subscribe to us, give us a follow on Instagram, and please, please, please give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Toby, go well. Cheers. George, go well. Cheers. And keep Don't it. go well. Oh, cheers.